Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, I don't know if you've heard, if this didn't really hit the news up here... But there was a major fire in the Chabad house last week, the last day of Passover in Louisville, Kentucky. So we will have Rabbi Abraham Avraham Litvin from Chabad of Kentucky on for to discuss what's going on down there and maybe how we can be of help to him. In the second half of the hour, we'll be discussing the portion of Kedoshim, which can be found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16 and following. We have wonderful a cappella music because we're in the weeks of Sephiris HaOmer. We're waiting ready for Shavuos at the state of quasi-morning, which we'll talk about probably next week again. We still talked a little bit about it last week. We have a great story all the way at the end. Before we, Really good story at the end. But before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> Israeli security forces arrested more than two dozen Arabs for their role in attacks on Jews during the past few weeks. Attacks on Jews took a sharp decrease in Israel during the Passover holiday. Israel closed the border crossing to Gaza following two rocket attacks against Israel last week. Israel increased the number, excuse me, last week Israel increased the number of workers allowed into Israel from Gaza. The move is expected to convince Hamas to stop the attacks. Hamas promised to increase the attacks instead. Two rockets were fired at northern Israel from Lebanon. They both landed in open areas, causing no damage. Israel fired four rockets into Syria, destroying a munitions site and killing four. Israeli troops seized a drug shipment worth $1.5 million on the Egyptian border. The bust was the third one in six weeks. In other news, Israeli food maker Strauss & Company is recalling more than a dozen types of elite brand chocolates after a routine inspection at its plant in northern Israel found traces of salmonella. Strauss CEO Ofra Strauss said that pigeons got into the plant during remodeling. The plant will be closed for three months. 250,000 Muslims were allowed to pray at the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem at the conclusion of Ramadan. 
Thousands of police were on hand as tensions have been high. The evening passed without incident. Yuri Milner, a Russian-Israeli philanthropist who made billions in Silicon Valley, is donating $100 million for Ukrainian refugees. Go, Yuri. And finally, don't, don't do this. This is one of those categories. Just don't do this. An American family found a rocket shell while hiking in the Golan this Passover. That's the first thing. When you go hiking in the Golan, you have to go where the areas where you're not going to find such things. The casing was found in their baggage at Ben Gurion Airport. Don't try to bring a bomb onto an airplane, please. As they were clearing security to return back to the States. The area was immediately evacuated. One person was injured in the chaos. The shell was found to be dead and confiscated by security. Man, the family then was allowed to board their plane and arrived safely in the U.S. And that goes into the definitely like smart as dirt category. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on Rabbi Avram Litvin, who is the chief rabbi of the state of Kentucky, leader of the Chabad there, whose house, Chabad House building, was destroyed by fire this last week. How are you today, Avram? Good morning. I am, thank God, doing as well as I can with the situation we have. Baruch Hashem. Okay. Uh, the first thing we can say is is Acher Sreifa Bracha. That's, I'm sure not, you've been hearing that, and it's really no consolation when you have to deal with what you're dealing with. It says in the Talmud that after a fire comes a blessing, and at this point you're waiting for the blessings. But So give us the backstory. First of all, tell us the, uh, the, the I don't know what the, the word exactly is, tell us what the, the, uh, the makeup of what is the Chabad House. What was the Chabad House of Louisville, Kentucky? Mm-hmm. So let me back up and give you an overview of, Louis, of Kentucky. Kentucky has two main cities, Louisville and Lexington. Chabad opened here in 1985 um, in Louisville. And about 10 years ago, we opened an office in Lexington uh, on campus. Um, and then another office in Prospect, which is a suburb of Louisville, um, about also about the same time, maybe maybe seven years ago. Um, Chabad has a school, and Chabad has a large social service arm called Project Friendship, uh, which actually provides millions of dollars of clothes and household goods uh, to people in need in our state, in our commonwealth. Um, And it has a Chabad house, a shul, 
a meeting place, a place for gatherings, for life cycle events, for um, all kinds of support, and for people to talk and share and grow and live and uh, do all those things that we do in a Chabad house. Okay. So we actually have had Chabad of Louisville on, and I think maybe five times in the last five years, actually, because of things that happened. A lot of it involved your son and the University of Lexington and anti-Semitic incidences that happened there. We had last year when during the tornadoes, we featured an, a show about Project Friendship, which is very impressive, Rabbi Litvin. So, um, what happened this week? Well, let me tell you the opposite of anti-Semitism. Um, what's happened this week, as opposed to last week? Saturday last week, Shabbat, the last day of Passover, was the fire. But let me share with you what's happened since then first, and we can circle around. Because you mentioned anti-Semitism. I have been reached out to by churches, mosques, um, many, many people of different faiths, offering me space, offering me um, support, offering physical help, all kinds of things. In fact, next Sunday... We're making a evening, a, I'm sorry, a gathering of unity and thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for the um, goodness that came out of this event and the unity that we see in the community, not only within the Jewish community pulling together, Reform, conservative, orthodox, unaffiliated, and all different stripes within the Jewish community, um, but also the general community. Uh, showing support and love and caring in really a beautiful, beautiful way. That's wonderful. I was actually quite pr impressed that Senator, Senate Minority Leader Rich McConnell, who is the senator serving the great Commonwealth in Kentucky, tweeted like the day after, uh, bemoaning the fact that the Chabad House had this fire, this incident happened, and think that you must be doing wonderful things if the uh, such a uh, person such as him would be actually, this would be on his radar, Rabbi Avram Litvin. Um, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Senator McConnell has been a great friend of Israel and a great friend of the Jewish community of Kentucky. Um, I've known the senator for 30 years plus um, and worked with him in many things, and indeed he wrote a beautiful, beautiful tweet. I will tell you also that I got a call the very next morning, Sunday morning. We were just looking at the destruction uh, for the first real time, and uh, I got a phone, and a phone call, and the person on the phone said, hi, this is Greg, how can I help? And I couldn't imagine anyone I know with the name Greg. And finally, it must have been two or three seconds, but it seemed like a long time to me. I said, is this Mayor Fisher? And he said, today it's just Greg. I'm calling not from this city, but from myself. How can I help? How can my wife help? How can my kids help? Wow. What do you need? How can we help? Amazing. And that was our mayor. So I want to say it's been the opposite of anti-Semitism. This has been a pulling together of the entire community, Jewish and secular, and it's been very gratifying. And one of the things that's helped me the most over these past few days. Okay. Thank you so much for the backstory. Our guest today, of course, is... Rabbi Avram Litvin, he is the chief rabbi of Kentucky. They were discussing the fire that happened at the Chabad House there in Louisville. 
So tell us the incident. So what happened? How was your Passover before? Up to, let's say let's discuss the first seven days of Passover, Rabbi Lipton. The first seven days of Passover were absolutely amazing. All of the Chabad houses were open. We had big. Uh, the first time we had in-person sedarim, obviously since the uh, since COVID, um, we serviced hundreds of people over the two days. Uh, it was a very meaningful, very positive Passover. Uh, we had services every day. Um, did you do anything? Let me, let me interrupt. Inter- did you do anything like this? We were been talking about. There's been a big push with the Rebbe's 120th birthday, and so here in Michigan, there was a massive push for giving out uh, matzah in the num- in the multiples of 120. So, anything like that for Passover in honor of the Rebbe's birthday before we, we Passover? Did, we actually we actually did do a push for mitzvot, um, and many people joined the. Um, Unite for for One. Um, It was a website that was trying to get 120 million mitzvot accomplished in honor of the Rebbe. Um, And we did join that. And uh, continually, people are continuing to join it now. We gave out many more matzos than we ever got in the past. And we interacted with people and encouraged them to make their own Seder and did a how to for a Seder for many, many more people than we have in the past. So it was really a very um, positive pre-Passover and Passover uh, event. Um, Lighting up to the last few days, the seventh day of Passover, Friday, was a very large day with many people coming. Um, We had a Kohen who had said the uh, priestly blessings in many years, and he came, which turned out to be our last service at the Chabad House. Okay, good. So got that now. So now, the eighth day of Passover starts started Saturday night, and you did Saturday night services at the Chabad house. I'm assuming we come we come in the morning. Um, I was woken up by my son, and which almost never happens. Um, and he says, "Ta." I got to share with you some bad news. There was a fire last night in the in the house adjoining the Chabad house. Um, we walked over the Chabad house to see what kind of damage it would be, and the Chabad house had some smoke damage, and um, the electricity had been shut off. And we immediately came into a plan of we have people coming in just about an hour. What do we do? We, the first thought was to have it on premises, bring the tables outside. Everything was still in fine condition. Bring the tables outside and do a COVID-style service on the property. Um, the playground was still fine. The kids would be playing. The people would be praying. The, uh, the kids, the babies, the elderly, everyone would be there. And we'd say the Yiska prayer for the departed, which is a, a big draw here. And we'd say all the prayers, and we'd do all the things. And we said, there's no electricity. The bathroom won't be quite right. Um, why don't we move it to my home? I had had a large Seder there. I already had my tables and chairs still. Uh, we had an inside area and an outside area. We thought that would work fine for the service. It'd be a little tight, but it would work fine. And we discussed how many tourists to bring. Do we need just one? As a minimum, should we bring two? 
or should we use all three um, and not leave a Torah where it could be smoky? And indeed, we got all the Torahs taken out. We took out a few prayer books and had someone write a sign, someone, a neighbor, um, directing people to my home. And that was what happened. So to, to, to explain that in a little different terms, at 5 a.m., there was a fire in the, in the building adjoining the Chabad house, um, a grease fire. The police, came, the fire department came and put it out. Uh, in the morning, when we came, we thought, we, we contemplated staying on the Chabad campus. Um, we determined we would not, and that was the determination that saved so many, so many people the fire was a gift from God. The Torahs were saved. There was no one on the premises. This fire broke out, as I'll explain in a moment, immediately during Yisker, uh, the memorial prayer that we say on the eighth day of Passover. Had this fire happened and the people been there, it would have been chaotic. I don't even want to think about what could have happened uh, with a large group that we would have had um, for the service as it, would, as it happened immediately during the middle of our service. Okay, so um, so what happened next? What happened next is we all went to my home. Um, I'm just a few doors away. Um, we started the services. It, I have to admit it was a little tight, but it was a friendly, good, happy tight, and we were thankful that nothing got damaged. We're all kind of in a good frame of mind. Um, we were praying. We were singing. Uh, it was a really extension of the holiday, and it was really kind of fun in a way. Um, like camping. A, real, a little bit, yeah. We couldn't be at home, and everybody was kind of part of it and feeling good. Um, we ran out of sea doors, and we sent someone to get a few more. Um, and um, they brought those sea doors back. And that was about 10.30 or 10.45, maybe even 11 o'clock. Maybe that was 11 o'clock. And then at 12.30, when we just walked out to Yisker, um, the younger people who walked out the door came running back in and said, there's big billowing smoke and looks like flame. And we looked out the front window, we looked out the, the porch, and we could see enormous, enormous flames leaping up towards the sky like a, like a sacrifice. And the entire Chabad structure was engulfed in flames. Uh, by the time the fire department came, or very shortly thereafter, the rafters had fallen in on themselves. The entire structure, from the floor, from uh, chairs, tables, ark, bima, uh, bookcases, svarim, tefillin, hats, uh, kapotas, uh, everything that you can imagine, gone. Everyone's safe, and the Torahs were all safe. That's pretty scary, indeed. So, um, it's it's an it's an amazing thing. I'm just like, I'm just speechless just listening to this uh, recounting. We, we see it. We see it as a miracle. Had this happened when we were there in the middle of the service, I'm. There would have been children around. There would be kids playing in the yard. They would be on one side or the other side. They would be down the hall. It, it, it could have been 
it's, it's, it's unfathomable to even think about how awful this tragedy could have happened with the intensity and the quickness of the fire. Uh, there was not a soul there, and the structure was burnt. And surprisingly enough, it was during Yisker, and I was just saying the words that when a person passes away, only the body is, and the container is taken, but the soul continues to live. And just a few moments later, when we came back for the Muslim service, uh, when we regathered and got our heads together, I just continued in saying it looks like the structure is being taken away, but the life and the energy and the goodness of the holiness and the spirit of Chabad and the spirit of, of Jewish endeavor will continue and will continue bigger and better and greater. And this is a gift from God. And we just have to wait to see, as you said, the blessing, and the revealed good that will surely come out of this. Our guest today is Rabbi Avram Litvin. He's the chief rabbi of Kentucky. We're discussing the decimating fire of Chabad of Kentucky and Chabad House in Louisville. It seems like such a such an enormous fire. Was is this suspected of being arson, or is this related to the the grease fire earlier in the day? And what happened to the adjoining structure? The adjoining structure. Um was burnt on the original fire. I don't know the extent of that damage. Um, there was a second eruption of fire. The arson people that I've spoken to have said they have no reason to think it was arson. Uh, they see no cause as of now that it was arson, and they have all but ruled out arson. Um, but the forensic investigators for insurance, I'm sure, will give a further clarification of those issues. Um, I'm not a fire expert, but what I've been told is the fire seems to have started high because the rafters fell in so quickly and there was no burn marks on the ground. So that seems to be what's going on. But again, I'm not an expert in those issues. Uh, but I've been told there's no reason to expect that it was arson. Um, there's such a thing called a rekindling or a re-eruption, and maybe something was left that kind of went down a wire or down some insulation or down a rafter or whatever it was and just re reignited and the catastrophe happened. Is this negligence on the fire? I will tell you that, I will tell you that since then um, the community has pulled together. Um, we, cre- we immediately created a kabadky.com slash donate link for people to help financially. Um, besides that, I will tell you the very first day when we went in, most everything was destroyed. Um, we had one Chabad of Kentucky pair of tefillin. Uh, it had been a dark bag, and the color of the bag changed because of the heat, but the bag was intact. Um, the velvet was only kind of changed on one side, we determined that it was still fine, and we took it out. The bag was singed on one side, and people have been coming and asking to put on tefillin with this beautiful holy pair of tefillin that were saved from the, from uh, that made it through the devastation of the fire. Um, everything else, we just had a dedication a few months ago with new covers and new Torah covers and new uh, crowns and and new floor and new bima and, and all kinds of new additions. Um, those are all physical, but 
again, the spiritual energy is still there. Um, we're talking now about a class next week, a new class that we're starting from JLI. We're talking about a program for Ladwa Omer and Shavuos. We just got permission today to use the chapel of a synagogue that I was rabbi in for 30 years um, as a sign of unity within the community, the Jewish Community Center, the Federation, um, has given us use of that building. So we've already begun the rebuilding concept, and uh, I'm just grateful to the community here, to the Federation, to the Family Service, uh, to the rabbis and all the different congregations, and to all the people who have shown support online, all the words of inspiration, all the words of comfort, and especially... Um, although we've been so able to help, and it really is, is so interesting, we've helped tens of thousands of people. As you say, we've been on the radar of the governor and of the mayor and of the uh, senator. We've helped, we have over 50 partners across the community and made it such an amazing kid to Shoshem to be able to help homeless shelters and help people who survived the tornado and help uh, women's uh, organizations and all kinds of, of uh, foster care and the Justice Department, the people who are trying to get out of the jail system and help them restart with clothes and shoes and goodness. And now the tables have turned and we're in need, and we're hopeful that indeed the community will continue to help the overall community, the second community, the out-of-town community, by um, linking, uh, finding the link Chabad, K-Y-C-H-A-B-A-D-K-Y dot com slash donate and actually helping us to rebuild bigger and better and partnering with us by uh, by finding that link and joining that link to become a partner in all the good that we're able to do and all the many mitzvahs and good deeds. Okay. Do you have any plans, Rabbi Litvin, now what you're going to be doing? Are you going to be going back to the same site? You're going to be looking for a different site? You're going to make something the same? Make the Just kind of renovate? The, the wound is too fresh. The time is too close. Uh, I understand. It's clear to me that God wants something bigger and better than what we had. Um, and with people helping by going to the site, chabadky.com slash donate, I think that will happen. Uh, I'm confident that God is encouraging us to be even bigger and better in the future. And we're committed to help this community and the state, the, the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And I don't know where, I don't know how, but I'm sure God will show us the way. If we just maintain humility and be open for his signs, I feel confident that good things are going to happen for us and for the state and for the people of Israel and for the world. Okay, that's wonderful. That's going to wrap it up again. If people would like to help in this very worthy cause, the website is www.chabad.com. K-Y-C-H-A-B-A-D-K-Y dot com slash donate. And we wish you and the entire Chabad Kentucky family only good things, and we should see in a revealed way the blessings that do indeed come after a fire, Rabbi Avram Litvin. Thank you so much, and I appreciate your time, and may we hear good things from each other. Amen. Okay. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick... Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back you're listening to the jewish hour want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher look for the michigan k on the label what's it look like the lower peninsula of michigan with a k it's the symbol of the michigan kosher supervisors go to their website mycosup.com 
That's MI for Michigan, KO for kosher, and SUP for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Shower. That was really scary. I'm, um, my, I was left speechless, and I'm, it takes a lot for me to be left speechless, but whoa. Um, I hope never to have to go over anything. Don't, don't give me blessings. Just, I'm fine. It's okay. All I need is Mashiach, and that's, that's good. I don't want to have to live through that. Coming up for your listening pleasure, this is Sheer Solo, an acapella group. The call, song is called Am Yisroel, Chai, which means the nation Israel lives. Yisrael, I'm Yisrael. Yisrael, I'm Yisrael. Yisrael, I'm Yisrael. Yisrael, I'm Yisrael. I'm Yisrael Chai. I'm Yisrael Solo. Up next, for your listening pleasure, it's Benny Friedman and the New York Yeshiva Boys Choir. The song is called Vizakeni.
As I stand in candlelight With my hands upon my eyes There's a passion in my prayers That rends the skies For a mother's tears can shatter Every gate that bars the way All the heavens will echo those words that mothers say Take my children by the hand Help them walk along your way May they never go astray May they know you as I know you Oh, Hashem, accept my plea Give me children Take my children by the hand Help them walk along your way May they never go astray May they know you as I know you Oh, Hashem, accept my plea Give me children As I stand in candlelight While my home is dark and still There's a void inside my heart I long to fill Will I ever be a mother? Will that blessing come my way? Will I stand by the candle? With gratitude and We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community. And Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. 
Herschelman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. The hour is flying by, but we have time for one more piece. This is Uri David. This is a great song. I really like this song. It's called Muhanim, which means we are prepared for the coming of the Mashiach. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. 
Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This week, we will be reading in the synagogue the portion of Kedoshim. It is a no, no storyline. It's just a list of mitzvahs. It's chapter 19 and following in the book of Leviticus for you, those who are following along at home. And it has within it a list of, I think it's 41 commandments. Don't quote me on it, but I believe that's the number. Just one mitzvah right after the other. Now, the portion is set up such, or the, let's say the calendar is set up such that... The portion of Kedoshim will always be read in the time period between Shavuos and Passover. Sometimes a little later in the calendar, sometimes a little earlier in the calendar. That being the case, so let's back up half a second. The time period between Passover to Shavuos is a time for getting ready. For Shavuos. Passover, we know, is the exodus of Egypt, and Shavuos, the holiday of the Feast of the Pentecost, as it was called in English when I was a kid, which I don't think anybody knew what that actually meant, is the celebrates the giving of the Torah. And so the Jews, way back when, 3,300 years ago, when they first left Egypt, didn't just leave Egypt and get the Torah. They had to, like, work up to it. And that was 49 days of the counting of the Omer which was commemorated every year in the temple by offering up a measure of grain on the second day of Passover, which is discussed in the week, in the portion of the week after next, in the portion, no, next week's portion, excuse me, in the portion of uh, Emor. It's actually discussed there how to go about doing that. And it's a portion, it's this, this idea of sometimes the preparation is more important than the actual doing. And so that is that is actually given here in this week's portion because the portion of Kedoshim starts, you should be holy. Now, how is it that a person is instructed to be holy? Well, you look at the commandments there. There's no commandment of, say, believing in God. There is no commandment of uh, saying the Shema, the declaration of God is one. What is there? There's things such as love your neighbor as yourself. The most outstanding commandment, one of them is, is that not allowing a witch to live, which we'll talk, we'll talk about that briefly just right now. Because we have a way of dealing with the world. We have been, I've been saying, I'm on air now, we're on air 28 years, and from day one, the, the modus operandi of everything that Jews do is supra-rational, going beyond the intellect, relating to God in a way which is supra-natural. 
Witchcraft and engaging in the arts of black magic is sort of doing an undercut, going low level, going below the laws of nature, manipulating the laws of nature, and therefore prohibited because they're totally, completely connected to the forces of evil. So here it is. One of the portions, there's six portions that are read always between Passover and Shavuos. And one of them is this portion of make yourself holy, which the word holy means, the better translation of the word holy, holy doesn't mean anything really in English. The word, the word consecrate means to dedicate, to separate from the mundane. In preparation for the actual receiving of holiness, which is achieved at the holiday of Shavuos. So therefore, what are we supposed to do during these weeks? It says, we should really be talking about this next week when it's talked about when it's next week's portion, the measure that was offered in the temple during this time from the first, that was offered on the second day of Passover as this beginning of the counting of the Omer was barley. Barley is considered animal fodder. People didn't eat barley. Barley was, you know, people ate wheat. And till this day, when do people eat barley? Well, it's kind of in our, in, in cheap bread, it's kind of mixed in with the, uh, with the white flour. It's what bread flour is. It's a mixture with a little bit, it's like two thirds or three quarters wheat with a little bit of barley mixed into it. But the most tired, only time people eat barley is like mushroom barley soup. You don't see people sitting down and saying, oh, what are we having with dinner tonight? Oh, we're having meat and barley. No, it doesn't happen. So it's not it's not a very it's not as far as as uh, grains go. It's not as definitely not as popular as even wheat or even rice, because it's always was considered this like heavy animal thing. What are we doing during this week? These weeks, as we're trying to elevate our own personal animal. Everybody, of course, you have your animal drives, your animal distinctions, your animal passions, which are not bad things. If you did not have an animal drive to get up in the morning, you'd stay in bed all day. But you have this drive. I need to get out of bed for whatever reason that happens to be. There's something pushing you out of bed. It's a good thing to get out of bed in the morning. And wherever our animal drives may take us, no, that's not what we're trying to do. That's not what being holy means. Being holy means my drives are not taking me, but I'm pointing my drives in the direction that I want them to go. So that it says... With the power of an ox, you get a lot more grain. It used to be that people, when they plowed fields by hand, so you could push the plow through the field by yourself. But if it was being pulled by an ox, it went a whole lot better because an ox is a very strong animal and able to accomplish a lot more than a person. So also, our drives, okay, so we have a, we have a drive for the holiness, but our drive for the mundane is much stronger. And if we can corral that drive and direct it to the right way, we'll be able to receive this blessing of holiness, which is coming in the holiday of Shavuos, which is going to be the beginning of June. We can hardly wait. We'll talk about that in the ensuing weeks. But in the meantime, we've got to take a quick commercial break and be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of The Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you 
help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Hey, Shultzman, who are you listening to the Jewish Hour? It's May, so we have to start all over again. Baruch Hashem. This is the time where we say, we need your money. And we'll get you started really quick. But you can go to RabbiFinman.com and make all kinds of donations and see all kinds of wonderful things. And hopefully you're listening to this radio program on RabbiFinman.com. We've, we're caught up. It's the very, very beginning of May. And we'll make the promise, like we did last week, last month, we actually did it, that if all the bills are paid up for the radio show before the end of the month, I don't make another repeal. We got actually in one week, I think it was. We got in one week where April was paid and we did not make another repeal. And we were able to tell a larger, uh, a longer story. Sometimes I tell stories I wish I had more time to tell them because I just like I'm rushing through and cutting out details, but I'm, you know, synopsizing them. So if you will, please, when the show's finished, when you're listening, or if you're listening on a, uh, another platform like iTunes or Spotify or uh, Odyssey, whenever you're, you, however you're listening, so go to RabbiFinman.com and go to the donation from Donate and help keep our program on the air, which we've been on now 28 years, working on our 29th year now. This is like so way super cool and, you know, just like, have things changed since 1994 when we started? Yeah, some things have changed. We're actually on a different radio station. We're on a different platform even. You couldn't. There was no archiving of the show. You heard it, and it was it. The show was on for an hour, and if you missed it, you missed it. That was what was happening in 94, 1994. And now, look, you know, you can you can listen anytime. You could binge listen to all the previous shows, and, you know, it's like life is good. Life is getting better. This is a wonderful thing. And so you're getting more bang for your bucks. So speaking of bucks, we need the bucks because listen, uh, we're not paying what we paid in 1990, what we paid in 1994 either. So it costs for us to do this, and we need your help. And of course, it's part of a 5013C corporation, so it is tax deductible. Everybody loves you. God will love you. Uncle Sam will love you. Will love you, and all the people in the world listening to this program will love you. And uh, we're not going to sort of. <laughs> You have public radio that does all kinds of guilt stuff. No, I'm not going to do that. We're too old for that. So just, you know, to do the right thing, go and do it. The story this week involves Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk, who was a senior student, uh, his disciple of the Mezitcher Magid, who was, Mezitcher Magid was the replacement of the Baal Shem Tov. The Menachem Mendel Vitebsk also became the one of the teachers of the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. One day, he happened to be minding his own business, and there's a knock at the door. He opens up the door and was promptly arrested and schlepped off to jail. And I was like, what is this all about? What? Who? What's going on over here? I didn't do anything. He faced the magistrate, and the magistrate said there's an accusation against you that you are a crime boss. Never mind that he's doing anything. He's, not, he's the leader of a crime ring in Vitebsk. 
which is located in White Russia. If you're looking uh, somewhere there, it's a county even, there's a county of Vitebsk. Uh, he actually lived in a little city of Haraduk, but we're not going to go there. There's actually in Detroit, there's the Haraducker Society, which has been getting together for 100 oh, years easily, more than 100 years. And we wish all the Haraduckers well. But he has no idea, why, why am I here? What am I doing? And days went by, he says, and he tried to plead his case. Nope. We have to do an investigation. We have to find out why. Days are going by. So he did soul searching. He didn't know what it. He needs to pray. So he prayed three times a day. Whether they offered him his tefillin, he was allowed to have his praying items or not, I don't know. That's not part of the story. But he prayed. He said every time he would pray, there was a Jew. He was in a common cell with about 20 other prisoners. We're talking some serious prisoners over here. He's this little rabbi dude. Every time he prayed, there was one person who he noticed was like watching him, really, not, not intently, with like great concentration. After a couple of days, the other prisoner came over to Rabbi Nachman Mendel and, and said, uh, Rabbi, how are you? How are things over here? He said, and he said, I guess, I mean, for being in prison, I mean, so, uh, it's just, so tell me about yourself. And the man started to cry. His name was Nachum. He was Jewish. He didn't look Jewish. He was so far from Judaism. He was in jail serving a sentence for burglary. What had happened? He'd been left an orphan. And the community sort of like forgot about him and having no way of making a living. So he made his living breaking into houses and he got caught. And he was thrown in jail for I don't know, a period of years. And he said, Rabbi, I've been here for a while. I've got a while left to go. And I see you and I just yearn for my Judaism. And bing, the light bulb went over Menachem Mendel Vitebsk's head. This is why I'm here. He, the Nachum said, the community has turned its back on me. They don't know that I'm here. That nobody cares that I'm here. I want to come back. I want to do the right thing. So the time that they were in there, I don't know, it didn't say how long in the story I was there, but it seemed like he was there for not just a short period of time. But this Nachum became dedicated back to Judaism. So Menachem Mendel Vitev said, when I go out, when I get out, I'm taking you with me, and we're going to visit the Rebbe, the, the Mezuchim Magid, so that he can put you on the right course. So time came by, whatever it was. Guard came up, said, Menachem Mendel, from Haradok, you have been found not guilty and you are released. So he sat there and said, I'm not going anywhere unless Nachum comes with me. So the guard was like totally perplexed. No one had ever said, I'm not leaving a jail. Not in Russia. And he said, I demand to be to see the magistrate. So this Menachem Mendel Vitos, the Rebbe of Haraduk, stood up in front of this magistrate and said, I would like to take this Nachum, that he be released in my, in my reconnaissance, in my, under my wing, and I guarantee that he will no longer engage in his criminal back to, uh, personally, guarantee that he will no longer Engaged in his criminal activity. The magistrate was very impressed, and he released him. They went off to Mizritch together. Mizritch Margit set him straight. I think he actually, this Nachum actually moved to Mizritch and became a leading Jewish figure there. 
That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care.